Dance. Watch this. I'm in my home, uh, my home studio here. Uh-huh. You are too. Yep. I'm gonna count this down. The door's gonna knock, and my uh, dogs are gonna start barking outside my little studio here. Oh yeah. Unless the guy doesn't uh, doesn't knock, and he's really silent. There's a van. Oh no, he dropped it at the door. Ah. We're lucky. No barking dogs. That's funny. So you're actually out looking, looking at a delivery being made. Some new yes. toy you bought on Amazon, no doubt. Oh, I tell you, spending money on Amazon, there's a lot of that. <laughs> uh, I ordered some stuff today on Amazon, actually. Oh. I do love that place. We'll have to talk about that whenever we get, we get to the uh, It's Not FileMaker, because I think most people listening are interested in FileMaker. I think that's true. Let's give them some FileMaker. So uh, we, we, we got back from DevCon. We did our few uh, podcasts there. Now we're back in the saddle again, and you've got something new. I do. I have a new version of FM Search Results, which is now available. And in the past, we sold search results, um, but it's now available for free at our website, app.works. So first question would be, why the switch? That's interesting. Um, well, before, John Sindler helped with the sale of it. So he has a really good store website and he co-developed a lot of the stuff and did a lot of work on the interface. And he and I set up a plan to sell it. And we got pretty good success with that. Um, But then it kind of fell into disrepair for a bunch of years. And we don't really have a store at AppWorks, but we really love giving back to the community and doing stuff. So I just decided to make it available for free. Uh, and then <clears throat> hopefully if people get it and like it and they want some help with consulting, which is our main business, then we can help them extend it and install it and maybe do other FileMaker work for them as well. That's, well, that, that, that was my hope. That works. I mean, I've, I've noticed myself since I sell products into the FileMaker market space that there's a pretty quick saturation point and then you just have to come up with something new or, mm-hmm. you know, modify what you've got. So, yeah, I'm used yeah. to that. We're calling this one FM Search Results 5. The, the one that we shipped a few years ago was actually version 2 because it was like an internal or like a, a more private small version 1. And then we had version 3 and version 4 were very, very small private releases, but they each had different sets of features and things like that. <clears throat> and then 5, we totally redid a bunch of stuff. Um, mainly, we vastly simplified it. Uh, so, uh, for example, now when you do a search, um, all of the results are actually a big JSON block of text, and then they're displayed in a virtual list. So there's actually only two objects on the layout that shows the results. And there's really only one important one, which is a single segment button bar. Anyway, let's, we can dive into kind of what the thing does, but. Yeah, I mean, actually, I've, I downloaded it. I have never uh, myself dug deep into the guts of it. So, like, for those of the listeners that are listening, they're obviously FileMaker developers or learning to develop. They're interested in what's the mechanism? What are you, uh, is it just a standard FileMaker search, but then you're presenting the data in a, a special way? Mm, more than that. It's an iterative FileMaker search, and it searches across 
multiple tables. So you, 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 and it's super configurable and, and flexible. So let's say you have like a CRM system and with companies and people and phone numbers and email addresses and invoices and products and then maybe some other stuff too, like a calendar and something specific and unique to your business of whatever kind of stuff that you do. And each of those tables has certain fields that are super important for people to search where someone wants to find a record. So they can type in 1141 and get invoice number 1141. They can type in a date of birth and get to a particular person. They can type in a, a person's name or a company name or a, a phone number with or without an area code. It basically is it's kind of like Google. It, it, it's The goal is to make it um, like adding Google to your database. And then you put a single search bar, single field, which is a global field, um, on all the layouts in your system in the same place. And then when the user types into it, they just it pops up and gives them a page, which is incredibly fast uh, because of the way we do the searches, um, with all the results in, across your whole system. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm seeing this. Um, for example, the search bar that's at the top of FileMaker's window, its status area. I don't know if they're calling it something else now. Yeah, that's the that's quick find bar. That's only going to search the current table upon which the layout is tied to with regards to its table occurrence. Right. Yeah. You are specifying in FM search results. You're, I mean, I'm assuming that you're identifying the metadata for all for various different tables, and then you're automating the script process. Or do users have to oh, yeah. fix the script, or no, I mean, adjust? There's, there's very small amount of editing. I, I can actually do an integration in about three minutes, four minutes, um, <clears throat> because I've done it a ton of times. Uh, but it could be done in I don't know by by a regular user just going through the steps in 10, 20 minutes, something like that. Deep configuration, like for the system that I just talked about, probably still under an hour. And so you configure it for each table. So you you uh, paste in objects. 100% of the stuff you to do for integration, you actually just copy and paste things from the file that you download into your database, and then you no longer need the file that you download. So it doesn't increase the file count. It doesn't use any plugins. It doesn't use any custom functions. Um, it just uses a bunch of native FileMaker search in interesting, useful ways, hopefully. So it's a copy-paste, meaning once I download the file, I'm not having to attach it to my file. It's not like using the external data sources and coming right. up in its own window. So I need an, I, uh, do I at least need a layout, or is this something, a dedicated layout that's going to show me the results? Well, you need, um, yeah, one layout, which is the results layout, and you could also just have another one in your system. That's the one that has that. Um, all the results show up in a single segment button bar. Um, which is just a layout object. I love those. Wait, you said um, results? Well, yeah. So if you do the, the results are basically, so if you do a search, like if you download the software, it talks about um, doing a search for Trav, which could search for either Travel or Travis. Um, and if you do that search, you'll actually get results from those two tables from um, company and contact. Okay. So I'm going to open, I'm, uh, I'm just now opening your file and... Oh, I'm in the I'm in the FM search results. So that's the actual integration file. I'm assuming there's yeah. A, the integration a, file also has sample data and a little CRM so that you can play with it. So I see the search data, the secondary file. So we've got two files. One is oh, the actual that one. file. Actually, I'm in, in, a, in the next version. There's going to be consolidation. The search data file is just to support it because I like separation model. Don't mock me. <laughs> oh, I don't. I I use it all. The, it depends on the circumstance. It works great. Yeah, that's true. 
I mean, I love it for uh, for mobile development when I want something local. Yeah. Well, for development, we um, we used a bunch of different products, and we wanted to have one central set of sample data that we curated. So that's why I built it that way. Um, but for downloading a sample file, it just makes more sense to have it in one file. So I'm changing that. Oh, okay. So you're anyway, just so if you do a search for data? Trav, you'll get like Aladdin Travel Service and also um, Jeremy Treviso. You know, a, and they're from two different tables. Well, I got a lot more than oh, okay, oh, okay see. Uh, so basically, you're presenting the results in a list view, but then you've got a given uh, row which is showing the table upon which the data came from. Right, and if you click on it, it takes you to the correct layout and the correct record for that table. Nice. Are you targeting the the um, layout based on the ID or? Nope. Based on the name. Yeah, so there's a there's a couple configuration steps that you do and a couple things you paste. So you paste one table with three fields in it, which are globals and, and unsearched calculations. Um, you paste a folder full of scripts, which is where 99% of the logic of the, the of search results lives. And you paste um, a layout, which is the results layout that you're looking at, which is super easy to theme and make it look and feel like the rest of your solution. And then there's a configuration layout that you paste in for each table that you want to search against. And uh, on that layout, uh, it comes with a, with fields by data type. So one of the key things that search results does is before it even does any kind of a search, it determines what the user typed in that box. Was it a word? Was it a name? Was it a phone number? Was it an integer? Was it a date? Was it a date range? Um, so it looks at all that. It, it tries to determine what type of data that it was. And then it only goes to search the specific fields that you say match that particular type of data. Okay, so I'm looking at the uh, at the manage layouts in FileMaker here, and I see the folder FMSR sample mm -hmm. configuration, and it has four different layouts: table uh, zero one through zero four. Yeah, that's how we've configured it in here. But what you really could look at is the one called table zero zero template, and that's in the add to your solution. Okay, so uh, that's what I would duplicate, and then all I have to do is target the table occurrence that has the, the base data that I want to be, have searched? Yep. And then, and then I'm assuming you're using uh, get layout objects and, yep. or, or something to the effect of grabbing whatever fields are on that layout to determine which fields should be used to be searched. Exactly. So when you paste that layout in and all the objects on there, there's an object called text01, text02, integer01, integer02. And then you go to layout mode, double click on that and say, oh, the text field that I want to search is the company name. The second one that I want to search is the address. The integer that I want to search is the invoice ID, things like that. Okay, um, dude, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Props. I have to give you props. That is how I would integrate things for easy integration. You dedicate a table. So any FileMaker developers who are listening, this is a cool technique. And if you don't get what Matt just said, you can designate a FileMaker table or excuse me, a layout, layout, that layout can then point to any table occurrence you want. And then the table occurrence, therefore, uh, inherits or comes with the context that that table occurrence has connections to. Mm -hmm. And then you can put whatever fields you want on that layout and do all kinds of things. So it goes well beyond just what Matt's done here with search. So that's yep. awesome. It does. 
Um, so that's really easy to configure, and then you can have as many of those as you want. Well, 98, because we, we set, um, they start at 1 because FileMaker doesn't start at 0. <laughs> and nice. table 99 is reserved for a special function. I guess you could go skip past 99 and do hundreds if you wanted to, but anyway. Um, and then the second part of the configuration is there's a script um, called FMSR Integration Settings. And this is where you put friendly names for all the tables that you want to search against. So, and um, like if you did that search a minute ago and you saw it said, oh, found one, you know, here's, here's results one to 16 of companies, of people, of contacts, of invoices, whatever. So in the script, you actually define a global variable with the friendly names for each context. And then also you specify with a good old fashioned go to layout um, command where you're not not abstracting it. It's just a go to layout, the kind that doesn't ever break. Um, where you specify the list view and the detail view for every layout that you want to search across, every table that you want to search across. Oh, so the target, the the intended target. Once you want to show results, mm-hmm. exactly. Or yeah, when you when you want to click on the result and go back to look at the oh, detail. Go to uh, yeah. Excuse me. The actual uh, the actual record information. Yeah. So if you search for Trav. Then you get that results layout. And then if you click on one of those Trav records, it says, oh, did you click on the, the detail record for contact? And then I'm going to go to the contact detail record, and I'm going to go to this particular um, one. And the way that it does that, um, because it's changing, the context could actually be totally different. In fact, it could even be a totally different file. Um, the search, um, the metadata that's tracked behind the scenes when it shows you your list of records includes the primary key and the table of the field um, of the table that you searched on on the record. It then um, it then navigates to the other layout, <clears throat> enters find mode, sets the key, and then does a search and finds that one record. Dude, you know what? I'm already thinking features here. I'd like to see this in a card window. Hmm. That's a, if you scroll down to the bottom of the integration settings, there's a feature where you can turn on making it appear into a new window and also optionally if you want it to be in a card window. So there's a whole bunch of features, not a whole bunch, but there's several different things that you can turn on just by flipping um, Booleans from on to off um, to control how those things work. And new window is a big one. And so rather than having to modify code, you just go in and say, set SR new window to one, and then poof, it works in a new window. Nice. <clears throat> Those things could also be easily configured to make them user-specific. So if some users want it to work one way and some a different way. Um, it also supports tooltips, so you can hover over the result and see more data without even having to click on it. It can list recently searched things, so you can see a search history. For every table that you search in, you control how many results it shows. So like if you want to see, you know, 50 contacts or 20 contacts or whatever, you can choose that. And there's another key feature, which is how deeply it goes to search. Um, for example, there's a, there's a name substitution function built in. So if it, if it tries to search for something like Robert Jones and there isn't a Robert Jones in your database, it knows that Robert is a name because there's a function that has a, a long hard-coded list of first names and it does a substitute for Bob and tries to search for Bob Jones. And if it finds a Bob Jones, then it says, Hey, I didn't find Robert Jones, but I did find Bob Jones and here's the record. Oh, nice. And you're, uh, the, obviously the user needs to provide those. 
Well, yeah, but I built in a bunch, but they're all editable by a user. So right now it's kind of tweaked for common U.S. first names. But if you have if you have another list for your country and you want to put a different um, common set of names or whatever kind of other substitution you want, there's a really easy function you can edit for that. Is it a, in a custom function as a map, or is it in a table? It was originally a custom function, but now it's actually just a it's just a variable. Oh, okay. Calculation. Something that's initialized on startup. Yep. Sweet. It's actually initialized on every search. Um, that particular one. Let's see. I'm trying to find out where that code is. Okay. I just uh, I just opened up the data viewer, and so I'm looking at this. You oh you space user you oh. I'm going to get on to you for that. Quit using right. spaces in your variables. Ah. Yeah, because, because it breaks. Oh, wait. No, nothing breaks, actually. It's just a style thing, Matty. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but it doesn't... Oh, it's like conflicting with the rest of my developer brain and all the other languages. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> so there's a script called search iterate, and that's the one because it does multiple iterations for every table. So search results can actually do like 50 or 60 queries but one of the things I learned about FileMaker is it'll do 50 or 60 queries, and in a, a fraction of a second, you'll actually still have the results. It's really fast. Um, and it's fast only if you do a search on indexed fields in context that you're in. So if you have a solution with, a, say, 100,000 records, and you have it properly normalized, so you're sitting at a company record, and a company has a child record, which is person, which has a child record, which is phone, and you go to find mode and you click in the phone field and you type in a phone number, FileMaker is really slow at that. It has, it has to do an ad hoc join. It has to do two ad hoc joins. Two? Why two? Yeah, because it's company to person, person to phone. Oh, yeah, you're talking about three tables then. Yeah, right. So, And that's a, that's a standard normalization. So what search results does is you make a layout in the phone table. Right, just go straight and it goes to the to base the table. table. And then in the code, there's a thing that says, oh, if you do a search for the phone table, after you do the search, which is instantaneously fast because it's indexed and local, it then does a go to related to say, show the result not in the phone table because there's no UI, but in the contact table or the company table to show you the related record that matches that thing. And that's super fast because it only has to do a join for one record. So these are some of the things I've learned. Anyway, in the search iterate um, around line 33, there's a um, there's uh, a thing that says edit list of names to substitute, and that's where it does things like Eileen to Allie and okay as to Agnes and Robert to Bob, etc. And those are all editable. I just downloaded a list years ago on the internet for that stuff. Hmm. Nice. So you then it, <clears throat> it does further levels of of uh, search depth. So one of the really cool ones is. Quick find, the native FileMaker function, has an interesting feature where it actually does a search across multiple fields. It sort of joins all the fields in the layout to one blob. And then it searches across that one blob and then shows you the results. So, for example, if you have, if you type like um, Bob1180, like 1 slash 1 slash 80 for a birthday, um, Quick find will actually know that one of those things is a date and one of those things is a name and it will do the join. It'll do that search intelligently just the way you would expect it to work. So we actually just use the quick find function as a failover. 
as one of the as one of the searches that we do to try to show you records because the assumption is that when you do a search you know there's a record there and it's going to work really hard to try to show you the record but it's going to try to show you the correct uh, sensitivity and specificity to give you only a small set of records and then if you don't get what you want then you just edit your search and keep trying just as you do on google nice um, by adding more or less words or changing it Okay, so I'm intrigued. I'm like, I'm like, look, I'm looking at your code here, and it's like all the scripts are really nice, spaced, and all kinds of stuff. The only suggestion I have so far is, for example, that substitution list. Mm -hmm. Like the way that most of a lot of uh, programs work outside of FileMaker is they typically have a settings or a config file. And that file basically is a one-stop shop place for mm -hmm. doing setting all of the different variable options. So, like, for example, on this search iterate script you were mentioning, where you've got a configuration option buried into one particular script set, I might consider making a single script, which is just simply called configuration. And within mm -hmm. that, it has all of its different set variables. And maybe you do those globally. I can see that this one is local. And since I don't know the logic, I don't know why you would want to set it local for the configurations each time. But like a one-stop location for all configurations rather than embedded would make this even sweeter. Yeah, you're right. Just as a suggestion, because yeah, I mean that's, that's how like one. that's how like everything works. It's like mm -hmm. uh, SSH, uh, Nginx, um, Apache. They all use a single configuration file where you just go through that, and they've got the comment and then the configuration, comment and mm -hmm. then configuration, comment, and they keep it out of all of the logic of the uh, solution, so that it's much easier to modify. Yeah, you're totally right. That would make that would make much more sense. I think this is the way that I did it years ago, and it kind of made sense to me. So we didn't really need to change to feel that we need to change it in this version, but that is so much nicer. And and what's cool is FileMaker can have that configuration just be a script. It doesn't have to be like an actual file like it would be for Apache. Um, right. No, it doesn't have to be separate. I mean, you can you can choose a table and. In fact, I'm just bringing this up not as a slam yeah, against what you've got here, mm -hmm. just for the listeners to know if you have, you can create a configuration table or a configuration script, or even in my case, I use a, uh, my startup layout with a text block as my configuration block of text, which simply just gets evaluated with the evaluate function on startup. Right. Well, for most users, there's really only one script you'd need to edit, and that's the one called FMSR integration settings. Uh -huh. um, and that one is really mostly integration. It doesn't have a lot of other logic. That's where you turn on and off features and you name, you know, friendly names for your tables and stuff like that. It's not quite what you're describing, but that's where it's headed. And I love your, I love your feedback. Yeah, I do. I do there. see in here you've got some logic because I see some ifs, some if elses, yep, and things yep, like yep, that. Yep, rather than some. like, and so yeah, folks who are listening, if you have like things that need to be configured for certain things to work, if you have just a single script which has nothing but set variables with comments. That's a pretty clean implementation for whatever it is that you're working on if you're doing modular features. So, yep. So, it had a, heading down that iteration uh, function, so it tries that, uh, tries the name substitution, it tries a quick find, it tries an or search. So, for example, if you type in like three words and no search is found that matches all three of them in one text field then search results will break those out to three find requests with one word each, which gives you a lot. 
But if one of those words was unique, then it will give you, you'll, you'll actually be able to be able to surf through those uh, results and get exactly the record you were hoping to find. And then it also tells you, I tried an or search with these words. Um, Dude, this is sort I mean, you were like, you were thinking of like, okay, Google goes out and searches the world and searches for as much crap as it can and then brings it back and shows people, hey, you've got a million results. Here yeah. happens to be the first 10. You're yeah, like doing well, the Google, same thing in FileMaker. <laughs> kind of. So what, what, I, what I totally want, and when I, we're actually building some other products and some other stuff down the road, is that, um, that relevance ranking that Google has, that's really hard to do in FileMaker. Oh, yeah. Without um, heuristics? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I think Google kind of cheats on that because they have a lot of metadata on all of the searches that are done. So Google, I think what they're doing is they're really only searching on a table of previously done searches, which links to what other people clicked on for the results. And it knows a ton of stuff like, in your part of the country, X number of users in the last number of days with certain popularity clicked on this particular thing, and that's likely to be what you're looking for. Yes, Totally. And if you misspell something really badly, it'll still fix it for you. You know, there's a lot of really good stuff. That's what I'm, that's what I'm aiming for. But, you know, FileMaker, you can get so far. Um, but also, that's Google searching, you know, all those millions and billions of websites. This is your data, so we, you don't really need to go all the way down that road. No, One of yeah, the things that I think is really fun, <clears throat> um, it does ranges and, and things like that. But one of the fun things that I really like is does a what I call a date super search, where if you put a date in, like someone's date of birth, um, we work with a lot of public health data, so this was a, a very common thing to search on. And I noticed that in, I don't know, 2% of dates of birth of, of records, there's an error. But a date is really three bits of data. It's a month, day, and a year. And if there's an error, I observed that it was almost always one, well, it was one of those three bits, but the other two were correct. So we would see things like if someone's date of birth was 5180, we would see a really common error where they would be like 51080 or, or something like that, or 51081, um, or 1580, where the date and the month were reversed. And so Date Super Search does four additional queries on a date to try the other variations of that. So basically like 5-1 uh, star, um, star 180, 5 star 80, and 1580. And so then... My next question is, Did you uh, does it support uh, different language date settings? For example, did you use the get application language function in order to determine whether they're using English or a non-English version of uh, date formatting? Nope. And I, to be honest, I haven't tested that with uh, other date formats. I think it, I'm not sure if it would work or not. I'd have to try it. So if you're an international developer and you get into this, you're going to have to look at that and say, yep. I can use get application language. And if it says German, then I'm going to need to switch the date around. Maybe, but, but actually three of those four are just going to work because the only thing that's different between, between a European date and a U.S. date is month, day, year versus day, month, year. Correct. Most of the time. Um, because it's, it's still a FileMaker date field, uh, but I guess it can display it different ways, but FileMaker kind of stores it the way they store it. And whether it's day, month, year, month, day, year, year, month, day, any of the ways you can configure it, um, it's still going to substitute one of those three things with a star. So three of the force, three fourths of the code will work. Um, nice. And the only tweak that you'd have to make is like which pair is month and day. So if you really want to get nerdy on that. 
Dang. This is nice and exhaustive. <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's some good stuff in there. Now I'm going to have to uh, integrate it. Since this is the first time that I've downloaded it, my bad. How long? How many years have we right. known each other, and I never got a copy of this? Uh, I don't know. A lot, <laughs> lot of years, Matt. Ten years, more than ten years. <laughs> oh, there's just so much time you have when there's so many things out there in the world. With regard, I mean, just within our small community of FileMaker, all the different cool things that people are created. I mean, shoot, I have no need to create anything with regards to massive global universal search now. Yep, it's true. Hey, have you? Did you play with Logicator? That's another another really cool free search tool um, that we maybe could do a whole episode on. I have not actually yet. I heard about uh, it. From Beeswax. I know he uh, took a lot of time to implement the UI that will facilitate uh, complex searching. I've integrated that on a couple of systems for customers that want like a traditional query kind of a thing, like you'd see in a lot of other tools. Um, where you could also save your query. It's basically, they're totally different types of search products. Search results is Google. Logicator is um, like these other search tools for people who really like SQL and are, are used to these other ways where they want to say, you know, it's almost like the Google Power Search thing where you can say, I want to find records where this is, this is true, um, where the company equals this and the name equals this and the data is between these two dates and, you know, stuff like that. And then save that. So if you have if you have a really common search that you do like um, these twenty six zip codes for sales from this quarter, that's a super that would be a huge pain, and a customer might not be able to write a script. Um, so anyway, Logicator solves that really beautifully. So now you've got me. I'm going to be spending half of today like working integrating yours and then integrating that and then saying okay the managers can use the drill down search but all the rest of the users can use fm search results and uh i don't need to teach them how to search filemaker anymore yeah, i don't have I to def- teach them how to use operators <laughs> i my my hope for this one you know if it only takes a few minutes to integrate um i think this has utility in almost every filemaker database well you can't beat the price <laughs> you, you know it's free folks right it's this free is, and it's, this a, is free. it's a creative commons attribution license your customers never need to even know that it was something that that you got from appworks um but the attribution license means don't put it in a product and claim it as, as your own work yeah. so leave the leave the attribution saying like if someone looks at the code that says hey this is a free utility from appworks that's not much to ask no not for how i mean how many hours did you put into this oh <laughs> thousands. Jeez. And you're the guy that, I mean, uh, I think it was after I knew you for a couple of years, but you're like, yeah, I'm creating a database that has 20 million record rows or like 50 million. I'm like, what? Why are you even? It was 2 billion, Matt. Oh, jeez. I'm like, why are you even tempting fate by putting that much into FileMaker? But it was, we got to be honest, how many fields was it? Like maybe five fields and they were all indexed? So it's not like a, a normal FileMaker solution where we've got unstored fields and summary fields and everything else that contributes to slowing FileMaker down. Well, I did, a, I did a bunch of stuff like that, too. So like in the woodshedding era of search results, I wanted to really understand how FileMaker search would work under a load. How does it work when a ton of users are doing it? How is it different on iPad, iPhone, WebDirect? How is it different when there's a, when there's a, a million records, a billion records, you know, and, and, and what I learned from that is 
the perform find command against an index field in this table that you're in that yields 100 to 1,000 results is almost instantaneous, even across a billion records. And I think I changed, you know, after we had some discussions, I think it was probably a few years ago, based on me being like astonished that you were running that much data through FileMaker and you saying, oh, yeah, okay, so I've got billions of records and it's still like lickety split instant, yep. like a second. I changed how I developed, in all honesty, because of that, because typically what I was doing a lot of the times was I would create a join on the graph that's basically connecting two table occurrences if you're a newer, newer FileMaker developer, mm -hmm. and then using GoToRelated record. But I knew of developers that would simply just go to the layout, do the search, get the results, and then you know, do whatever they want with the results, whether they were processing them or using them to be displayed. And so that reduces the complexity of your graph. If you do say, I'm going to use FileMaker search rather than create relationships or joins in order to show sets of data, especially in this card window era now, because you can basically just have a layout, go do that search and just show your results in the card window. Yep. And I, I love card windows. <laughs> oh, I, I, I really do. I was on the community the, the other day, and there was um, one developer that said, I rewrote my whole solution because of the advent of card windows, because it mm -hmm. really just changed your ability to work in context. And my goodness, if they would just listen to some of the feature suggestions, card windows could be the king. I mean, give us the ability to turn off the shadow, to... Uh, not show a color on the back of the card window. In other words, be able to be transparent, which means the objects themselves on the layouts become what's presented, not the background of the layout. You mm -hmm. can then have rounded corners. You could do everything. Turn off the dim. Oh, yeah. You have full control now, full UI control and separation out from context. Beautiful. But yeah, one of the huge things they gave us is. Um, the ability to centralize something. So like if we want to, like a, a window to create a new record in the company table, and we used to have that in five different places in our system, um, or five different popover buttons or something like that, we copy and paste, and it's like, oh, you know, and it just uses global fields to test what you're doing. Now you can just have one. You, you have one place to maintain it, one script that does it. It's vastly better. Yeah. Yep, and it was a uh, given their limitations with I'm assuming what are their limitations. It was a great implementation, whichever developer came up with it. Because for the longest time, we've been wanting them to allow us to specify layout parts as targeting. Let's say, for example, one layout part on a given layout being able to target another layout's context. So you could create, for example, a sidebar, but we don't have any vertical layout parts. We only have horizontal layout parts. So it was just a wonderful implementation. They just need to take it a little bit further in terms of giving us like full power and control. Yep. So. Well, I'm trying to think about this stuff to talk about about what this thing does. Um, I guess we already talked about the JSON. So in the previous versions of this, for people who saw it, um, the trick that I used to use a bunch of years ago was a repeating global field that was the display widget. Um, and it was hundreds of objects and moving parts and tons of custom formatting and actually multiple stacked objects. It was very, very complex. We got that down to a single widget. Um, and I'm really, really happy about that. Occam's um, razor. Yep, absolutely. It took, it took a lot of work to get to that. 
We also used to populate like um, uh, global fields, five global fields with all of the, um, the array for all the data and metadata. So like what was the ID, what was the text we're showing, what's the, um, uh, the name of the table, all that stuff. And that's now just one, uh, one block of JSON, which is great. <laughs> JSON's another really fabulous thing that FileMaker has lately. It is. People need to take the time. If they're uh, scared or averse, they need to dig into that. Yep. Yeah, setting and getting elements out of JSON is great. It's really, really, it's pretty simple. And, you know, starting out with using it for all multiple parameter um, passing um, is good. And then you can really go to town from there and adding so much more stuff. Yeah. You can have just, you can have a massive blob of a bunch of stuff, but you can, you're able using the functions in order to list the keys or list the values, get out exactly what you want and drill down pretty quickly. Yep. So, so that's search results. Go get it. It's free. It is. And what, where do they head to get that app.works app.works? And then it's downloads. You do need to give them an email. I learned that. Yes, you do. <laughs> it can be fake, but you, but you know, you no, give us give an email. The, we can give them the, the real, real one, we'll, and we're not going to spam you. So, um, awesome. Let's see the second the second topic that we have. Um, it just so happens there's another pause on error coming up. Crazy! There was one in May, and now there's another one. And I went to the web page based on your suggestion because I didn't even know it was like when it was. I hadn't checked. For a while, it was a very quiet launch. I have these sporadic times where I go on the community site and then I check in for multiple days, but then I'll stop and then I don't check in for like a couple of weeks and then I miss things. But um, yeah, it was. I went to their web page and it's confusing. I went to pause on error and com. it loads up and yeah, pause on error.com and I go to pause on error and then I scroll down and it says recent events. And it says Chicago 2018 pause on security, and it says happening now. And I was like, they're doing it right now? We're in September. And I clicked on pause on security, and then it loads pause x Chicago pause on security. And I was like, okay, so they're doing pause on security and they're doing pause on error? Are these two different events? And I think you had you explained to me, no, the pause on error is called pause on security. It's not a separate event. It's just that that's what they're focusing on. Mm-hmm. All the sessions are on security. That was confusing to me because I thought that's, a, that's first. That's a first. I was like, call it pause on air with security focus or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess it didn't bother me. Oh, I signed up. Two of us are going for MapWorks, and I probably will not be able to go, unfortunately. But so it's only security. Mm-hmm. Well, they only uh, have like two or three sessions, right? That they do throughout the course. I mean, during the day, there's only like there's not like multiple rooms beyond three or four. Well, that's a really good question. So previous pauses have had uh, two, three, four sessions going on at the same time. Um, I think there's and maybe a couple of plenary sessions where everybody's together. I don't know what the plan is for this one because at the moment when we're recording this, the schedule is not posted yet. 
I did submit a topic. Um, me and Ian from AppWorks are going to go. He's our AWS guy. And he and I have been really, really geeking out on AWS and building a bunch of servers for our customers and making sure that they're secure. So we're hoping to do a, like a sort of a best practices AWS FileMaker server discussion. Nice. Um, from all the stuff we've learned from that. Um, uh, we'll have to see kind of how, you know, the, the level of people coming to this event, how how uh, advanced that topic needs to be, but <laughs> Ian can get pretty deep, so I'm not worried about it. You know, one thing that one thing that the when you install FileMaker on AWS, um, since I've done it a couple times myself, FileMaker does not actually secure the web server down as secure as it could be with regards to the configuration, at least on Windows and IIS. Mm-hmm. So, um, just as a tip for anybody out there. You once you install or run a FileMaker server, if it's on AWS or wherever, go to SSLLabs.com. That's SSLLabs.com, and then run an SSL server test against your FileMaker server, and you'll see that you will not get initially an A rating. You'll probably get a B or a C, depending on how it's been configured. And if you want to secure that web server down even more, then uh, there are scripts out there that you can get and uh, basically determine uh, whether you can lock your server down a little bit more. Because web server security is always constantly changing. From the time that FileMaker implements, uh, there's like things that, you know, I forget all the different names of the different attacks, but it's just a good resource that I use in order to test the web server portion of my FileMaker server. So just a tip that I've learned with regards to setting up servers out there. Yeah, I've seen that site before, but I haven't thought about it in a while, but that's really important and good information. Yeah. And well, yeah, I haven't, I haven't tried it against uh, FileMaker servers. We should try that on some of the WebDirect and some of the other ones for customers. Yeah, you can. Uh, there's a little box that you can check that says don't make this public because otherwise if you run it, then it'll actually uh, show your server rating. Whether <laughs> if it's lower than an A, uh, right there on the actual page. Oh boy, yeah. So you just check that box, and then they won't reveal it. But it tells you all kinds of information about all the different uh, possible attacks, and and it's actually one of the ways that I keep up to speed on in terms of what are the most recent attacks. If you run it periodically, you'll find out that your server has maybe fallen from an A or an A plus down to like a B, because you didn't implement one of the recent changes because you didn't catch a piece of news or something that deals with security. So, Yeah, I'm running it right now on a site, and it's got so many things. It takes a long, it looks like it takes about a minute to complete, too. Yeah, it's actually running all of the different possible algorithms. So yeah, you've got, and Yeah, it's, uh, so basically, um, there's different, uh, different flavors of SSL as they go up in version numbers, and if you leave an older version number that becomes uh, less secure over time, which happens... Or if you're using uh, an encryption algorithm that is now long, long, uh, no longer, they've got like ECD or whatever. There's so many different uh, algorithms. You can, in the configuration profile of the server, control what your server requests in terms of the uh, communication between the client and the server. And if you leave older algorithms that are more vulnerable available, then you get a lower rating. So then you can go research, okay, how do I change the algorithms and set my server to require a much more secure, much more recent algorithm? And that's what uh, bumps up your rating in terms of the security of your server. 
Hmm, yeah, good to know. Heck, why do we need to go to to pause on security? <laughs> Let's yeah, just do it so now. <laughs> I think, well, I mean, securing FileMaker, there's so many other things that obviously this isn't going to test, you know, like... Um, oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, actually, here's a here's one that I, that I do very, very frequently, and sometimes it comes up with a problem. Um, if you go to... Um, uh, manage security. I think that's the dialog box. Um, yeah, in FileMaker. Yeah, yeah, in file access. Yep. There's a checkbox called Require Full Access Privileges to to use references to this file. Yep. If you leave that unchecked, which is the default, then a regular user who has access to your database um, could make a file reference to that database and yep. see stuff with another database that they shouldn't have had no business accessing at all. Yep. It's a pretty easy exploit. Um, and I've seen some systems that have like a, a really low level login account. That's not really securely locked down. Um, and so you could start a login, leave it at that login level, create a new FileMaker database on your desktop, connect it to this, to the uh, file, the, the other system that you're trying to connect to and then make layouts for all the other tables in that file, in your local file, and then look at all the records in all those tables. It's yep. kind of terrifying. And that can be defeated by that one checkbox. Yeah, and I've heard that they're going to be, somewhere down the road, they're supposed to be turning that on. But no, I mean, they've been doing all kinds of stuff with regards to security. They oh, turned yeah, yeah. off the FMURL script. They turned off Apple events. They turned yep. off a lot of the things that, if you knew the other technologies, Apple script or URLs, yeah. you are able to poke around or you still are able to poke around a FileMaker database. So, I mean, for anybody out there listening, the number one security tip that I can give you is go into the file settings under the, uh, it's under the file menu, under file oh. options, and set the minimum version allowed to open this file to be the minimum version that you're supporting. And hopefully that version is either 16 or 17, because starting mm -hmm. with 15 and down, all of those will have security holes. They will all be using by default or allow by default Apple events and the FMP URL script, which yeah. allows you to poke around as much as you want in a FileMaker file. So if you have something hosted out there and you are, if you have any type of influence over your setup of FileMaker, I'm sure FileMaker is going to love this one. Mm -hmm. Go get FileMaker 16 or higher. I mean, because anything earlier than that, it has some security issues that any competent FileMaker developer can just poke around a file. And it's not yeah. hard to find them out on the internet as well. Google will happily list all FileMaker servers available across the world. Um, no, that's true, too. Won't give and you the, you can go to the server and, and play with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> won't give you terrifying. the tip on how to find the IPs, but uh, it is possible to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You actually... Um, you Google uh, slash FMI slash WebD. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that, or there's any of the contents of any of FileMaker's um, oh, yeah, admin true. pages. If you, yep. Just a phrase within quotes. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, well, there, we gave you the tip. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah so I, I think, you know, uh, all of that to me says, yeah, it's time for there to be a, um, a pause specifically about security so that the, those of us who go, we all know a lot of stuff of our things, but what, what, do I, what do I not know? What are the actual exploits out there? What can a really good 
you know, white hat, black hat, gray hat hacker do in a FileMaker database to actually get past security that I think is good security? That's what I want to know. And I think there's going to be some sessions like that, too, where they do like a hack, you know, live in, uh, on a file. And they just uh, hopefully close the holes as they expose them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I do believe that you can, that if you do everything properly, you can lock down a FileMaker database to be extremely secure. Oh, totally. You know, with encryption at rest and encrypted backups, and yeah, I don't even it, I don't even let um, on my files my startup script. One of the very first things is that I do not let anybody unless they have full access. Well, it used to be I didn't let them run with developer tools on, but now FileMaker 17 doesn't distinguish a difference between advanced and pro, so that doesn't actually work very much anymore. They need to have a function where it's, where you determine whether developer tools are turned on. Oh, that would be cool. You're right. Because if you deny somebody access to your FileMaker database when developer tools are on and they don't have full access, you've just reduced their ability to poke around even more. So that means you're requiring the FileMaker to be in client mode without the developer tools in order to use the database, which is as it should be, I believe. Yeah, I think so. So, well, we are at uh, 50 men, my friend. We, we talk a long time, you and me. We do, and hopefully uh, people are getting value out of it. I hope so, too. Send us feedback. So, uh, yeah, uh, FileMaker, it's Matt at FileMaker Talk. That'll get to both of us. Yep. And, uh, yeah, go check out FM Search Results. That's, it's sweet. I'm glad I downloaded it. Thanks for, uh, thanks for suggesting it. Sure. All right. Well, have, have a good one, sir. You too. <laughs> Until right. next time. Okay. See ya.